Amen. Church, as many of you know, we've been in a series of, called Spiritual Fitness 101, looking at spiritual disciplines and praying over them, and it's been absolutely incredible. Today is the, the pinnacle message, the, the closing finale of the, of the, of the um, series, and we're looking at a spiritual discipline called worship. Say worship. Worship. And I, I thought of, you know, after thinking about it, praying about it, I thought there is nobody better to bring a word on worship than our very own worship leader, Sarah Bettinger. So would you give it up for Sarah as he brings you a word? I love it. That's awesome. Thanks, Monty. Uh, I'm humbled and privileged as always whenever I get the opportunity to be up here and do this. It's, it's so amazing. Can we just give honor to Monty as well and his family as they pastor our church? So grateful. So when I was a kid, uh, my, my grandparents on my dad's side, they retired in Colorado, the great state of Colorado, which is, of course, home to the greatest football organization to ever exist, the Denver Broncos. Amen? So, listen, I've been kind of in hiding since we moved here to Omaha because, you know, the Broncos stink, but the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. We all got a, a clean slate here, and I have to tell you, I grew up loving the Denver Broncos, and I understand the, the concept and idea of being a bandwagon football fan because, when I started becoming a fan of the Broncos, they won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. And so I understand you want to get in with the hype. Like my, one of my nephews really loves Mahomes. And so I, I try to not, you know, beat him up too bad whenever we see him. But no, I, I love it. I love the competition aspect. I love football. Football has become a major part of my life. Many of you may know that. Some of you may not. Um, but I bring all that up to say I love the Denver Broncos. And how many of you have some like non-negotiable house rules, right? Can you, can, you, can you agree with me on that? You got some non-negotiables in your house. It's like you put the toilet seat down when you're, when you're done. You know, you, you clean up after yourself. You turn the light off when you leave a room, those kind of things. But one of the non-negotiables in my house, and my kids know this, we root for the Denver Broncos, only the Denver Broncos, okay? And if nothing else, right, we don't root for the Kansas City Chiefs or the Raiders. I mean, nobody cares about the Chargers. But the other two teams, we don't root for those teams. It's the Broncos or Bus. And my five-year-old son is trying to, he's trying to bust my chops a little bit, right? He's like, well, Dad, Jaguars and Panthers are cooler than, than Broncos. So I'm a Panthers fan. And I'm like talking smack to this five-year-old. I'm like, guess what, Cruz? In Super Bowl 50, the Denver Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers 24 to 10, and I watched it happen. And he's like, I don't care. And so we go back and forth on this whole thing, but I'm like, I'm like trying to flex on this five-year-old kid, but I will say, Cruz, at five years old, he understands. Dad, we do not root for the Kansas City Chiefs. He gets it. And I was told last week that as the kids' team offered an opportunity to take prayer requests, that Cruz asked for prayer for something that just, it melted my heart and it, it did me proud. He prayed and he asked for prayer that the Chiefs would lose the Super Bowl. <laughs> we know his prayers weren't answered, but mine have been. I mean, my goodness, that's a, that's a huge win for me, a huge win for Dad. So 
Cruz prayed, he didn't even pray that the Eagles would win. He's just like, I want the Chiefs to lose. And he's still like, he's still, we saw his cousin yesterday who's the big Mahomes and Chiefs fan. And he's like, the Chiefs cheated. They got a penalty that, that gave them a chance to win at the end. I'm like, I didn't even tell him to say that stuff. Like, he's just spouting. I, I love it so much. But the reason I tell you that is because he's showing, I mean, he, he loves his dad, right? He's being obedient to his dad. He's like, I know the house rules. And I, I, I don't just know him. I accept it, and I want to be part of it, right? He loves it. And so I love obedience, the love of the Father, love between the Father and Son. We're going to talk about a very closely connected topic today, like Pastor Monty just told you, worship, love, obedience. We've been in this series, Spiritual Fitness 101. Can we just give God some praise for how amazing these last seven, eight weeks have been? And really, love and obedience are tied very directly to this topic of worship, right? I mean, it's a very intimidating topic for me, if we're being honest, to tackle, even though, like, it's been such a big part of my life for as long as I can remember. Since I was a kid, joining the church worship band, like, doing this thing since I can, like, even seriously, like, 12, 13 years old, doing it for a long time. And, and as I've, as God has been graceful through this journey, I think that there's so many different things that rush to my mind. Like, what do you think of when the word worship comes to mind, right? A lot of times we think of music. We think of, you know, prayer. We think of certain postures. We think of certain different things. And so I'm trying to think to myself, like, oh, yeah, I'd lo I would love to talk about worship. Like, that's second nature, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's my life. But then I start to think, and I'm like, okay, where, which, which one of these thousand avenues do I want to go down? Like, what's one thing that I would want to discuss about worship? Because it's such a big, broad, intimidating topic, right? And when I think of worship, I think of my own childhood. Like, I grew up in the Assemblies of God Church. This is a Wesleyan church, by the way, Meadows Church. But I grew up in the Assemblies of God Church, which I don't know if you've ever been. But if you've ever... If you've never been to one, it's, it's kind of a crazy experience. I was just reminiscing last night with my sister-in-law over it, and she's like, I came from a, a Catholic background where, you know, you sit, stand, kneel, you sing when you're told to sing and all these different things. But she's like, I, when I first came into the Assemblies of God Church, I mean, there's people speaking in tongues and people falling down. Like, there's all these different crazy things happening. So, like, what I grew up with worship, and shout out to all the people who used to change slides on the overhead projector, all those, I mean, that's what I think of. I think of, you know, those moments where crazy things are going on. And I, I love that. I love, I think there's value to all the different forms of worship that you can possibly drum up in your mind. But maybe the question isn't just, what is worship? Maybe the question that we should be asking is, what isn't worship, right? What is it not? Well, I, I put together this, this list here to go through some things. It's not just 20 to 25 minutes of music time that separates your arrival and Pastor Monty's messages, right? It's, it's not just when you hear your favorite song and you're like, ooh, that gets me in the, in the mood to worship, right? It's not limited even to Sunday morning. It's not confined to the walls of the church. Worship is not an escape from reality. And it's certainly not Christian karaoke, which it can easily become. Worship, believe it or not, it's not meant to be a buffer for your lateness, okay? To, we don't do music so that you can show up late to church, right? 
But worship is essential, and music is important. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of music. Obviously, we do it every week for a reason. Like, biblically, we're commanded to sing, to give praise to God. Singing unifies. The book of Acts talks about the church being of one voice and one accord. And music can be, it, it, can, it can smack you in the feels, can it? It can evoke emotions. It can make you full of joy. It can make you cry. It can make you crumble to your knees. Like, it can evoke emotions that bring you closer to the heart of the Father. Worship music can also be prophetic. It can be part of our theology. There's so many different ways to honor God through music, but worship is so much more than that. It's so much more than what it's not. Worship is really a lifestyle. Worship is really the air that we breathe. I mean, we, talk, we sing every breath and offering, right? Worship is so much more than one certain thing. One of the best definitions that I heard from a mentor that we had back in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota a few years ago, he said, worship very simply defined is faith expressed. And I love that. I love that. And you can express faith in something or someone other than the king of the universe, right? Which is what we really have to guard against in worship. But we really have to also remember that worship, especially when it comes to our God, our king, Jesus, it's an expression of faith. An expression of faith. Worship is faith expressed, and we've been talking about that throughout these last seven, eight weeks, right? Prayer, fasting, meditation, confession, all of these things are forms of worship. All of these things are things that you can do to express your faith in the king of the universe. But as I'm putting this message together and thinking like, okay, we, we go through what is worship, what isn't worship, you know, defining it, what's the one thing that I would have you remember above all else? The one thing that it's like, okay, Sarah, if you get one shot to talk about worship to the church for the rest of your life, what's the one thing that you want people to know? And it's this. Worship is the only reasonable response to the goodness of God. It's the only response. And we learn this as we grow, right? As we grow in our faith. We understand more and more. The more we look to Jesus, the more like him we become, right? Glory to glory. Paul talks about that. But worship is the only reasonable response to the goodness of God. And there's a song. How many of you remember the, the band in the 90s, early 2000s, Lifehouse, right? Falling even more in love with you. They, they were awesome back in the day, but they were like, I don't know if you know this about them. They were kind of like a Christian borderline worship band at one point. And one of their songs that they sang has a, a lyric that has stuck with me since the first time I heard it. And it, it broke me the first time that I heard it. And it breaks me every time. It says, how can I stand here with you and not be moved by you? How could it be any better than this? How does it get any better than the presence of God? Does it get any better than the goodness of God? And how can we stand in his presence and not be moved to express our faith, right? When we're in the presence of Almighty God, you can't help but be moved. When you truly acknowledge, like worship is this connection between the spirit of God and the spirit of man that causes something to happen. 
You can't be in the presence of God and know it and acknowledge it and understand it and not move. And if it's not happening in your heart, that's, that's my encouragement today, to respond to the goodness of God in an authentic, true way that's unique to you, that the way that only you can worship. Do you know that? That only you can worship the way that you can worship? Only you can sing the way that you sing, even if you're like, ah, I, don't, I, I only sing in the shower or in the car, right? Only you have the voice that you can bring to God. Only you can lift your hands the way that you lift to God. Only you can look at him the way. Just like having kids, right? There's one, one way that your daughter looks at you. There's one way that your son looks at you. And then he punches you in the, you know. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that all the time. But you, <laughs> lovingly, right? You, your kids look at you and you look back at them. And if you're not a parent of a kid, it doesn't matter. You, you have friends you, you are, you know, son or daughter to somebody. It's, it's this relationship between a father and his children that when that connection happens, when you lock eyes with Jesus Christ, something happens, and it's more than just emotional. It's more than just bringing you to tears in a moment on a Sunday morning. It's, it's when you're in the quiet. It's when you're alone with him, and you listen for his voice. And when you hear his voice, that still small whisper, remember that we talked about back at Christmas time? You hear that whisper and you know you have that blessed assurance that he's got you, that he's got your back, that he's walking with you through the valley, that he wants what's best for you, that he would do and did do anything and everything to save you for all eternity. Worship is important to God. Did you know that? The first commandment, Exodus 20, I'm actually reading through the Old Testament right now, and I'm reading it in the message translation because, well, I'm not the smartest person, so I don't know all the, but look at how simple it is, right? No other gods, only me. I love it. Another way to put that is, thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? That's worship. We put God not just at the top of the list, but at the center of everything, Worship is important to God. When Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? What does he say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. Worship is important. Let me tell you something else that's really important. Although worship requires your participation, although you were created to worship, worship's not about you. Worship, like we talked about earlier, It's not about getting lost in a song. It's not about the hymns of old, right? I didn't even grow up with hymns. That's one of the most common things I've heard over the last 10 years that people ask me, like, are we ever going to sing hymns? And I'm like, I don't even know what they are, to be honest with you. And that's not to say they're bad. I mean, I know Amazing Grace. You know, How Great Thou Art. I I know some of them. But, like, I didn't grow up with that. So I'm not emotionally attached to those songs and you haven't heard us up here yet saying behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet call that's what I grew up singing but worship is not about getting lost in a song it's not about us and certainly it's not the people that are up on this stage the amazing people who dedicate their life to pursuing God through worship it's not about them worshiping on our behalf right that can't be the case Worship is not about you or me. It's about God. It's for God. 
And he's taking us from glory to glory. I love that. Even, even as we worship him, even as we fix our eyes on Jesus, he does, as Paul talks about, and you can look this up, Paul talks about the fact that we go from glory to glory. We look at the face of Jesus, he shines his glory back on us, and it's like this mirror that's reflecting back and forth that we can't help but go from glory to glory. And he even honors us as we worship him. It's amazing. Worship is the only reasonable response to the goodness of God. And the, the, the one scripture, as I think about that being the one statement that I would want you to remember, truth be told, the one scripture that has stood out to me regarding worship more than any throughout my entire life is Romans 12. So if you have your Bibles, pull them open to Romans 12 and uh, pull out your, your mobile devices as well. This will be on the screen if you don't have either of those things. But Romans 12, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, right? And he says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Pause there. The only reasonable response to the goodness of God, right? Because of all he has done for you. Paul's saying it a different way. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. So, there's an unacceptable version, right? If we're taking that at face value, there's an unacceptable version and there's an acceptable, acceptable version. This is truly the way to worship him. The way. Not one of. The way. This is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. A new person. By changing the way you what? Think. Another version says renewing your mind, which is awesome too. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is another crazy statement. You, you, you can take, so often in scripture, we can take things and we just miss them, right? To know God. How many of you have thought to yourself, I wish I could know what God's will is? I mean, you can learn to know it, right? That's crazy which is good and pleasing and perfect. His will is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans 12, one through two, such a formative scripture when it comes to the topic of worship. When it comes to this idea that worship is the only reasonable response, right, to the goodness of God. Worship unquestionably though, as Paul says, right, don't conform. He warns against conforming to the ways of the world, to society. Worship goes against the grain. You're swimming upstream if you want to live this life of giving your bodies to God, being a living and holy sacrifice, letting him renew your mind. That's swimming upstream. The rest of the world is going downstream. So you're not only fighting against conforming along with them, you're actively fighting against something else every single day. And as we just sang a little bit ago, every second, every minute. It's ongoing. It's a lifestyle so worship goes against the grain, but it will transform you. And as Paul said, worship is a sacrifice, right? And I just want to encourage you. Like, you showed up here today. Can, you just, can we just give each other a hand for that? You're here. That's a form of worship. You came to the house of God. You're here. You made a sacrifice to be here. And I just want to encourage you. Like, I can't tell you how many times in my life this has happened but man, sometimes you don't want to show up. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm too tired. I don't want to get the kids ready. 
It's too much, it's too far of a drive. Like, can I just encourage you that you're here today and you said yes, even if maybe you gave God the weakest yes that you have. And you shouldn't be ashamed of that. You shouldn't be ashamed of the times where you're like, I just, I don't feel like doing it, but I'm gonna do it anyway. There's a degree to that can be going through the motions, right? But then there's the other side of that that's like, I'm gonna be obedient even if it's something that I don't wanna do. When I know that I have to do something, when I know that I have to be there because what you bring to this house, to this church family, is irreplaceable by anybody else. You are essential, right? Worship requires our participation, but it's all about who? It's all about God. It's all about God when we come together Beautiful things happen, but you came, you came maybe even if you didn't want to, and can I just encourage you again to do that over and over again, even when you don't wanna do it, because there'll be days when you, you're ready, you're just ready, but if you don't wanna do something, come and do it anyway. Come expectant, come ready, come praying, come put worship music on in the car and get your, transform, let the Holy Spirit transform your mind and the way you're thinking, and come into this place Come early, maybe. Come and pray over this space because, man, it's a battle to do everything that we do as followers of Jesus Christ, amen? And we need to be setting the tone of expectancy so much higher than we've done throughout the course of our life. That's what worship is all about, a living and holy sacrifice. And in all honesty, the biggest sacrifice that maybe we make as, and when I say we, I'm talking like maybe just the American church specifically, and this is something that God had to break down in me as well. But maybe the number one thing that you have to sacrifice, you and I, is comfortability. Comfortability is detrimental at times to true, authentic worship. We're too comfortable in our everyday lives to worship in spirit and truth, right? Like Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he said, The Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. And what does that mean? Well, means that you understand who God is, to, to put it very simply, you understand who God is and you worship from a place of heart motivation, out of love, sincere worship, genuine worship, authentic worship, authentic, genuine response to the what? To the goodness of God. That's spirit and truth worship. Worship is the only reasonable response to the goodness of God and just ask a question, do we live our lives in response to the love and goodness of God? Do we? Do you? What kind of sacrifices are you truly making? What kind of sacrifice of comfortability are you making? And I thought about all these things as I'm just pouring over this and asking myself, like, what, what are the things that I've struggled with or maybe currently struggle with? It's things like this that you may say to yourself or to other people. It's uncomfortable to pray out loud in front of others. It's awkward to walk up to the altar and receive prayer. It's not comfortable for me to lift my hands. And isn't that crazy to think, even in a setting where we come together under the name of Jesus, it's still uncomfortable to lift our hands in worship and praise and surrender to God. It's tough. I don't have a good enough voice. Remember I said that earlier? I don't like singing out loud. I'm afraid of joining a life group. I just... I, I don't know if I'm gonna get accepted. I'm afraid of meeting new people because of fear of rejection, right? I'm afraid 
I, I just want to, oh, this is one of my favorites. I just want to get in and out of the church, right? I, I wanna, I'm going to slip in, slip out, sit in the back. I don't want to talk to anyone, okay? This serving team, the dream team, they're going to be fine without me. I see these people serving every week. They don't need me. And plus, I would have to fill out the card, and I would have to talk to the leader, and I have to do all these things. It's just not comfortable. I don't have enough time. Right? That's one of the biggest excuses of comfortability. We'd rather spend and invest our time on things that we're comfortable with rather than do things that we maybe know we should be doing. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to give up sleeping in on Sunday. And obviously, you're here at the 9 o'clock service, so once again, well done. Very good. But I can't lose these friends because of my faith in God. I can't, I can't risk losing the, the friends that I've had my whole life because I love the Lord. I don't understand the Bible. I just, it's, it's too difficult for me to, to get into it and to understand it and to be consistent with it. But let me tell you something. Your life of worship, it cannot be defined by discomfort. It can't be defined by comfort in the same way, right? Discomfort, I believe, is rooted directly in fear. And fear, well, fear keeps freedom in shackles. And when freedom is in shackles, but when you surrender your fear, right, something supernatural can happen. When you surrender your fear, that fear of human opinion that disables, freedom is unleashed. Not just in your heart, but all around you, right? Freedom is unleashed to the people around you. When you see somebody that's expressing themselves in worship, man, it, it kind of it gets you feeling like, man, if they're doing it, I could do it too. You know, you see people maybe up on the stage that you're like, I... That's crazy that that person, I know that person, and they're up on the stage, they're, they're singing, they're worshiping, they're playing an instrument for God. I can, I can worship from, from my chair here, and we can do this and work together in harmony to see God do supernatural things. What if instead of an atmosphere of fear, we came together as Meadows Church in a, an atmosphere of expectancy, right? If we come in expectancy, can change the atmosphere. And when the atmosphere is one of high expectations, that's why we, we say that almost every single week, tell somebody that you got high expectations. We do that because when you come with high expectations, not for anything that this team can do or Pastor Monty or anybody that's in the parking lot or, or serving anywhere in this church, when you come expecting the God of the universe to show up like only he can, I guarantee you, he wants to do something new right? He wants to do something new in you and through you and all around you. And it starts with bringing everything that you've got in worship. Everything that you've got. Again, the American church, right? It's so, it's so interesting. We have 168 hours in a week. And one of them we spend in church together. Or if Pastor Monty's preaching, maybe two. Okay, you know. But, but, right, isn't that true? 168 hours, so 167 outside of these walls. And I think that a lot of times we think, like, that one out of 167 is, like, this huge, like, you know, banner over our lives that we've accomplished something incredible. It's like, we, I, I mean... But unfortunately, what happens in the American church, at least the ones that I've been part of, right? So many of us, including myself for most of my life, you come in, maybe late, and you're kind of counting down the minutes to see, okay, when is this guy going to be done talking right now? Like, 
I got to go. I got things to do. I got people to see, places to be. I got to run errands. Like my kids in the kids' service need to come out and all these things. We diminish worship to one hour per week. And then in the rest of those 167 hours during the week, we're like, we're pushing God like a vending machine. We're like, B7, and the thing starts to twirl very slowly, and then it gets stuck. And then we're like banging the vending machine. We're like, what are you doing, God? Like, I went to church. I asked, I asked you for B7, you know? And where is it? It's not falling down. I have to smack the machine to get it out. It's like we expect God to just show up in these areas of our life without ever talking to him. Have you, do you have any friends that you, like, only talk to when you want something? If you do, stop it. If you don't, that's great. But man, we all know what that's like, right? To only have somebody ever come to you when they need something or when they want something, never because they want a genuine relationship with you. You know what that's like. And God in his grace and mercy, he listens anyway. And, and not just anyway, but he listens with such a loving, gentle heart. He's, he's ready, running to you, waiting for you to, to, to push B7. He's like, I'll take B7. You know, and that's the crazy thing about the God that we serve. But he's not a vending machine. He's not. And you should feel proud of the fact that you showed up to church today. But look, the reality is for many of us, including myself, that we just maybe aren't desperate enough for Jesus because we get a little too good at doing his job. Right? We get a little too good at being God in our own life dictating every single second that we spend, understanding that our schedule is full, understanding exactly where every single penny we spend goes, all of these different things, everything we put into our body. How many of you have the MyFitnessPal app? I've been putting every single little stupid calorie into this stupid little thing, you know, trying to, trying to get cut or whatever. I don't even know. I'm like, what am I doing wrong, God? I've, <laughs> I've, I don't know. But, you know, it can be the same way with anything. We get too good at being the God of our own life because, you know, what that means is that we're not, we're not necessarily dependent on the one who really needs to be, remember I said the center of it all? We need to come to that place and posture of full, complete dependence and reliance on Jesus, a living and holy sacrifice, right? Allowing him to transform your mind because when God has hold of, of every part of you, when he has your heart, your hands, they're going to follow. You're going to live a life of obedience. When he truly has your heart, your hands can't help but follow. Look at Paul, this, the guy that we're talking about who wrote Romans. He used to kill Christians, right? And then he's writing this about being a living and holy sacrifice and letting God transform your mind. Like He's the, he's the perfect example of that. His mind being transformed, his God truly having his heart. And man, we talk about your God-given purpose here a lot. Your God-given purpose, I just want to tell you, is worship. It's a life of worship. It's a life lived in response to the goodness of God as only you can live it. Somebody else can't do it for you. Nobody else can live a life in response to the goodness of God on your behalf. You have to do it. You have to take those steps. It's the only reasonable response. And so I ask us today, what has Jesus done for you? Has he saved you from an eternity apart from him? Has he set you free? Has he picked you up 
turned you around, put your feet on solid ground, right? We sing that song. Like, what has he done for you? Has he given you second chances? Countless second chances? Has he saved your marriage? Has he blessed your finances? Has he given you breath in your lungs today? Has he given you a beating heart? Has he given you everything? Has he been by your side through tragedy and triumph? What has Jesus done for you? Your life has to be a response to that. What has Jesus done for you? If everything else is stripped away, and I know, man, every single one of us in this room is going through stuff. Like we all have things, just like we learned last week, we all have things that we need to confess, that we need to bring to the altar, that we need to confess to a brother or sister in Christ, that we need to bring to God. And we're carrying so many different things. We're going through so much. And so I don't, I don't say this to, to diminish what you're going through, but I say this to say that, man, if everything else is, is going terribly in your life, which for some of you, maybe it is, if all that you have is the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ, the empty grave, you have everything. You have every reason. Yeah, amen. You have every reason to fall on your knees before him. You have every reason to lift your hands in joy and surrender. You have every reason to let that grace penetrate your heart, to understand that we're not good. Not even inherently, even as reflections of the creator, we're born into a world where we're not good, but he's good. And because he's good, we gotta live a life in response to that, amen? Your life has to be a response. And Jesus doesn't just bring you out of stuff to put you on a mountaintop so that you can look down at where you've been. He brings you to the mountaintop with him so that you can look up and see how much more you need him to see how much further the climb is because that climb never stops. You'll never stop needing to be desperate for Jesus, ever. Worship from that posture. Worship true, authentic worship. There's tons of amazing examples throughout Scripture. And just some quick-hitting ones, like how many of you know the story of Paul and Silas where they're in prison, they're in chains, they've been beaten, you know, they've been persecuted for their belief in Jesus, and they're in this prison with many other prisoners, and they just begin to praise God. They begin to lift up worship to God, and what happens? The chains fall off their feet. The prison doors fling open. And not only are they set free, but every prisoner is set free, and the jailer who's supposed to be overseeing their, you know, imprisonment, he fears for his life. So he gets ready to go and kill himself. And instead of him dying, he is saved. And not just he is saved, but his entire family is saved. Because why? Because Paul and Silas decided in a moment to give God praise and glory when it didn't make sense. When anything else would have made sense. When they had every reason to complain. When they had every reason to be mad at God. What about the woman with the alabaster jar that we sang about earlier? I don't know if you know that. That's actually based out of Scripture. The alabaster heart song is based on a story of a woman that Jesus changed her life. He saved her. He set her free. And all she could think to do is come into this room full of religious people, full of men, which she wasn't even welcome in this space in the first place. And she comes before him and she just pours out the most valuable thing she had at the feet of Jesus. And she gives him everything. And in that moment, it wasn't the, the jar of alabaster oil that she poured out. It was her entire heart that she poured out before him, right? 
And then there's the story of the woman who brings the two small coins into the offering. And by the way, giving is one of the, the greatest acts of worship that you can do. Giving, because what we have, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. So it's not even giving, really. It's returning what is already his. But Jesus is watching these people bring their offering into the synagogue, into the, uh, the temple. And, and he sees this woman bring these two small coins that would be worth barely a penny in our day, right? And he sees her put these in. And he looks at it and he points her out and he says, she's given more than all the others. Why? Because she gave everything she had. That's what worship is. Worship is giving everything you have. It's the only reasonable response to the goodness of God. And so many of these examples are examples of go figure, like we talked about at the beginning, obedience, right? Obedience from the father, uh, from the children to their father, and surrendering even when you don't like it or don't agree. But the goodness of God, it's going to compel you to do things that you don't understand or maybe don't even agree with. Like 10 years ago, I would have never expected to be standing in front of a, a church of people speaking. I would have never expected 20 years ago to be playing instruments for God. I would have never expected, especially as you, know, you go through life and you're like, how could God possibly use me for that? I used to watch the pastor's son at our church, the Assemblies of God church that I told you about before, I used to watch the pastor's son play all sorts of different guitars. Like he played the bass, he played the electric guitar, he played the acoustic guitar. And I just thought like, man, that guy is so cool. Like I would love to be like him, but I just like, I never thought that that could possibly be me. Because you look at him and, and you see lack on your own behalf, right? You're like, I could never play guitar like that. I could never sing like that. I could never do that. But by the grace of God, he will empower you to do things that you could never dream or imagine. And there's this story in Mark chapter 4. The disciples and Jesus in a boat crossing a lake. What happens? This big storm comes up and the disciples are all afraid for their life. Understandably so. But you know who's not afraid for their life is Jesus. The dude's sleeping on the boat, right? And all these disciples are frantic. They're like, Jesus, we're going to die. They wake him up. And what does he do? He speaks to these wind and waves, and he says, be quiet. And what do they do? Have you ever thought about the fact that the wind and the waves obey Jesus? They obey Jesus, and the disciples are like, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Well, the wind and the waves, inanimate as they may be, they are obedient to, to Jesus, to his voice, because they understand and they recognize the voice of their creator. And if inanimate things like water and wind can be obedient to Jesus and be obedient to the presence of God, how much more those who are created in his image, how much more you and me, there's only one reasonable response to the voice and presence of God. And if we don't sing, man, the rocks are going to cry out. If we don't praise the wind and the waves, they'll, they'll show us what it looks like to worship. Faith expressed. What does that mean for you today? Maybe it means that you're going to come up and receive prayer. Maybe last week you were here and you were too uncomfortable to come up for confession. And you're like, if they ever ask me to do it again, I'll do it. Well, I'm asking you. So if that was you, come up and confess today. Maybe for somebody it's going to be, I'm, I'm finally going to just lift my hands and just close my eyes and just be with the Lord during this final song. Maybe for somebody you're going to give for the very first time. 
Maybe you're going to sign up for a dream team. Maybe you're going to, to sign up for a life group. Whatever it is, express your faith in the one who has done immeasurably more, more than you could ask, dream, or imagine. Are there things that you told God you would never do, right? I'll never stand up and speak in front of people. I was, you know, one of my good friends right when we moved here, he, he told us very early on, he said, I'll never pray in front of people. And he, he's now on the prayer team, right? And he, he told me last week that he went out and just started praying for people that he doesn't even know. On a Friday night, just went out with the intention to go pray for people and did that. And I just think, man, like, God has a funny sense of humor, right? It's like, I'll never pray in front of anybody. And then you go in and do something like that. The goodness of God will prompt you to do things that, man, you never expected that you could or would ever do. So get uncomfortable today. Whatever that looks like for you in your context, get uncomfortable. Worship's not about next time. It's about today. Do it today. And you don't have to do it alone. We're all here. We're all in this together, right? Maybe for somebody in this room, you're going to surrender your life to Christ for the first time. Or maybe you're going to renew a decision. You're like, you're sitting there thinking like, I've, I've gone so wayward. I've fallen off. I need to renew that commitment today. I need to get that fire burning again. Whatever your decision today, just understand this. Jesus Christ died for your sin. He died to save you for all eternity so that you don't have to spend eternity apart from him, but so that you can spend eternity together with him forever. He did that for you. He did that for me. And if he did that for me, if he did that for you, he can do it for anyone in this room. And he did. And he would do it again. And if that's you, you're saying, I want to follow Jesus today. Mark it on the Green Connect cards. Do it so that we can reach out to you so that, like I said, that we don't do this alone. You can't. It's impossible. I guarantee you, if you try to walk with Jesus by yourself, it ain't going to work. That's because I've tried and many of us have tried. We need each other. So fill out that Green Connect card. Let us know that you made a decision so that we can reach out to you and follow. In fact, I would encourage you, if you're making that decision today, bring it to one of the prayer warriors who will come up at the end of the service or bring it into the prayer room and, and just let somebody know, like, I made this decision. What does it mean? What do I need to do next? Jesus died for you. He, he loves you so much. I hope that's I hope that's what you're hearing in this message, that like worship is, is a total response out of love, authenticity, being genuine, looking to him. Maybe you've been living with your head down for way too long. You just got to look up. You just got to look up and see how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, just to know that he is reaching out for you, just to know that he does look on you with love no matter how many mistakes that you've made no matter how many things that you wish you could take back, the things that you regret, the things that you would do over if you could, he loves you no matter what. His love for you will never change. His goodness never changes. His faithfulness never changes. Let's go to him in prayer. God, I just thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to get uncomfortable for you, Jesus, you are worthy of it. You're worthy of all our praise. You're worthy of whatever it is that we need to do in this moment. Just like Paul said, to be a pleasing sacrifice to you. God, I, I pray that we live lives of authenticity, of genuine worship and trust 
for you. Build our faith today. Help us to do uncomfortable things. Help us to live a life of holy sacrifice, a life full of expectation for you to do what only you can do because you are God and you are good. We need you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.